0: This is the Kansas City series of the Power of Investing in People podcast. It is a tribute to the leaders who make up my local community. They share their heartfelt stories just like all of my guests do. And I wanted to bring attention to the city that is smack dab in the middle of the country that most only fly over or have a layover. If you haven't had the Kansas City experience yet, then I encourage you to spend some time here and enjoy all the barbecue and sports and arts and entertainment and the healers and the goodness that this city has to offer. My special guest today shares how he was called into the law enforcement and then after a friend of his on the force had suffered a major accident... Ronnie Dumit answered the call to support his friend's family. He saw a need and decided to start the nonprofit Answering the Call. Stay tuned to his inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it.
1: Hello. You are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay, and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on demand training where we learn how to dream, believe and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com, and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show.
0: Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new co author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And I invite you to connect with me with all the social media links that are there Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and even Instagram. And today, our guest is the incredible Ronnie Dumit.
1: Thank, welcome to the show, Ronnie. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: And we met, gosh, just a, a, a few weeks ago, when our our mutual friend Rob Sanderson of Swell really introduced us at your your fundraising event.
1: He did, yes. Rob's a great guy. I was pleased with the turnout of the event, and it was such an honor to meet you that evening. Thank you for being there.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to be part of Swell's what Rob is doing over at Swell, and I'm. Was so great to meet you and see what you were hear what you were doing and your story. And I knew that you had to be on the on the show. So thank you for your oh, time.
1: Yeah, exactly. They got a great mission. I love what they're doing.
0: And you both are first responders. So this is we are. just goes along with the heroes that I am in collaboration with. So this is perfect.
1: Yeah, I love it. I so love when for- it makes it first full circle, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So
1: cool. It's
0: just when you're in alignment with like-minded people, it's just amazing. So for those of you who don't know, Ronnie Duman is the founder and current president of Answering the Call, ATC, a Kansas City metro area first responder nonprofit that financially aids our metro police, fire, and EMT paramedics and their families when that first responder suffers an injury or illness. Additionally, Ronnie is a 20-year veteran of the Lee Summit Police Department and is currently assigned to the Community Interaction Unit. He started ATC in 2015 after a friend and colleague who was a detective had suffered a severe illness. He learned that his family, this detective's family, was starting to struggle financially. And that's when Ronnie answered the call. So you can find out more on his website at atc911.org. So Ronnie, I just, gosh, I can't wait to hear the story about how all this started. But first, I always like to start in with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you?
1: Wow, investing in people, what what an awesome question to start off with, right? So investing in people means to me, Whether it's a group, a community, or one person, you can change that individual's life for the better. And you know, a lot of people, a lot of our young people, some of them, we all know that they have disruptive, maybe home life, and they don't have that person, that parent, that father, that mother that's going to give them that guidance. Mm -hmm. And in my profession, the thing that I think has been the biggest blessing is being able to seek that individual out. And say, you know what, we're going to invest some time in you and we're we're going to turn you around and we're going to show you that you're important. And then we're going to send you back out into the community and allow you to do great things. And I've been blessed probably five different times when I was in investigations for 13 years to sit in that interview room with that individual, that young. I won't say adolescent because we, you know, we dealt with the adults but 19, 20-year-old that just didn't have guidance. And they were looking for someone just to kind of step in and say, you're worth it. And I would stand up and walk out of the interview room and walk into my starting office and say, hey, I've got one. And he's like, oh, this is going to take some time, isn't it? And I say, like, it is because I want to invest in this person. They may be looking at a felony charge, but I think if we turn this around and give them some time, invest in them, into that community and allow them to go do great things and give them that opportunity, that second chance, if you will. And that's what I think is most powerful about it. I was allowed to do that in my job. And, you know, yes, in the the 20-year profession I've had in law enforcement, there are people that need to go to jail and need to go to prison for a long time. But there's also those that just need a little guidance in their life. And Mm. you can be that spark. And I'm telling you, it's powerful. And they've walked back in this police department or they've seen me out on the road working a fest and they've walked up to me and just hugged me. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea who this person is two years <laughs> later. And she's crying, uh, pushing a stroller. And she's like, you invested in me. You saved my life two years ago. Who are you? <laughs> Why are <laughs> you hugging me? You know?" And I just, I remember her. I, I, and I'm speaking of one person, but there's, there's been a handful, but I remember her. And I will always remember that that moment that we just, that we took the time to invest in her and push her back out into the community. And now she's in the military and she's making it a career and she didn't have anybody. It's, she was on her own from 16 years old and she Mm. was 19 at the time that, you know, our lives, our paths crossed, if you will. So yeah, maybe that's a long answer to your question. And then, you know, you take the nonprofit and you, and you can take a community of people that believe in the same thing. And all that is, is pretty simple. It's reinvesting your time and your passion into a community be it children's cancer, first responders, the elderly, and just showing them that there's a community of people here that, that care about them. Wow, it's so powerful what you can do just to change a, an individual's life by stepping in in their most needed time. Mm.
0: That is beautiful. I love that answer. And I love when I ask this question because every single answer is different, And but you hit you just hit some key things that I just want to pull out of there. And you said time. And you said, you know, you really gave another person uh, a chance. And sometimes it doesn't matter if it's the second or third or whatever, because for you, you're just meeting them for the first time. So for you, it's, it's just an opportunity, but you've really invested in them by going, Hey, Let's, let's ask what's really going on here, what's really happened to you, instead of going what's wrong with you and pushing you aside like an outcast of society. So yeah, wow. making you
1: a number, a statistic, right? I, I believe in our paths cross for a reason. Maybe it's to put you in prison for a long time because you're just a really bad human being in the law enforcement profession. More times than not, the times you don't hear about are the detectives, the officers stepping into someone's life and taking those handcuffs off and saying, you know what, we're going to invest some time in you. We have the time to do that. We have the ability and our departments, our cities want us to do that. That's what they want us to do. And I'm telling you, it happens more often than not. Mm. It really does. That's beautiful.
0: And and then you started this nonprofit. So kind of tell us, take us back to how that started in, in 2015.
1: Oh man. Yeah. What a whirlwind that was April of 2015. I remember it. It was a Thursday morning. I was assigned to the detective uh, unit within the Leeson police department at the time. A friend and colleague of mine was rushed via ambulance from one hospital to another, and which is never a good, never a good mm-hmm. sign. We learned about it here at the department early in the morning on Thursday in April and automatically jumped in my car and just ran down to the hospital on the plaza at St. Luke's. Come to find out my friend, colleague at the time, Josh Ward was was deathly ill we did not know it he didn't know it he just knew he had a lot of pain that turned into a four-month process of him fighting for his life in the hospital wow through that process he still had a wife and three kiddos at home and now melissa's thrown into single motherhood overnight caretaker of her husband making life and life and death decisions essentially and just not prepared for it right and any of us in that situation Over time, because this was a long, this wasn't a two week period. This was four months um, of grind of Josh wanting to live and survive and wake out, wake up of this medically induced coma and still be a father and still be a husband. But during that time, the one thing that always goes by the wayside is finances. Mm. And I had to have this difficult conversation. So my chief and my major reassigned me to the family to make sure Melissa and the kids' needs were met and just tend to whatever they needed. While Josh was was fighting for his life. And one thing I I worried about was their finances. So we had that difficult conversation and I learned quickly that that they were starting to struggle financially. So we started to fundraise the community. This is where it's so beautiful. It's like the community came together like I've never seen. It was almost emotional for me. You're in the grind of being a first responder and you're dealing with the worst in society on a daily basis. You don't really get to sit back and see the beautifulness of our community and how much they truly do love their first responders, specifically Kansas City. And I was that guy, I was that point of contact. So I really got to see that firsthand. I saw the amount of love, the cards, and you know, honestly, the, the money that was coming in, the donations that were being made.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It it was life-changing for Melissa mm. and the girls. And I remember sitting in that hospital bed. the hospital room, watching my friend Josh breathe while, you know, under a medically induced coma and thinking, if I was laying there, what would Josh want? What would he do for me? And I thought, I'm not going to let this guy's family, if he doesn't wake up, I'm not going to let this guy's family fail financially. So we started to fundraise, the community came together, the businesses in Kansas City reached out to us. There wasn't a whole lot of work on our part other than showing up and telling this story. And we were able to sustain the family for almost 18 months, almost two years of the $100,000 we raised in four months. It's not like nothing I've ever seen.
0: Wow.
1: And really, honestly, that's where Answering the Call was born. I saw the financial need, the strain on Melissa's face. She had enough stress as it was. We started a nonprofit just to step into these heroes' lives when they're laying in a hospital bed, either shot, stabbed, run over, ALS, um, a rare aggressive cancer attacks them, and the family is tending to their needs, the first thing that goes by the wayside is, you know, is is finances. Mm -hmm. And, And you have enough stress as it is in a first responder family. And then you take finances and throw it in there, man, it can really destroy the family as a whole. So we step in within 24 to 48 hours of the injury or illness. And we deposit, hand over a substantial check to the family to just lend financial aid and relieve that financial burden so they can just focus on getting back to work. That's what they want to do. First responders want to be out there working. It's their drive. It's their passion. It's what has led them to this profession. A lot of them will tell you, I don't really know why. I just I felt led. Mm. Um, and and laying there in either in their home or in a hospital bed is not where they want to be. Right. Um, they want to be out there giving back and taking. Taken care of their community.
0: Mm. Well, your story, thank you for sharing your story. It brings tears to my eyes. That's for sure. <laughs> and, right. um, uh, it is absolutely beautiful how you can, when you come together, what the difference that you can make, like you said, just a short amount of time, four months and you raised a hundred thousand dollars. That's amazing. And Yeah. And, you
1: know, I learned through, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead.
1: I just learned through the years that I've done this, when we have somebody injured and it becomes a story that people hear about, they always call and they're like, how can we help? And the community does that. And quite honestly, in the first responder community, other than taking care of yard work and stuff like that, it's it's finances. We learned that quickly. I learned that quickly. It was finances. And so this is a way that the community, our nonprofit is a way that community can step in. Mm. And, and lend that financial aid and that assistance. And, you know, they don't ask a lot of questions or ask for feedback. Hey, how are they doing? They just, they know that their $5 or $5,000 donation is going somewhere and it's helping. That's all they ask for. They, they want to give back to those that serve and protect them and give, give of themselves.
0: Well, I just want to kind of take, kind of go back into your story because you said that you were reassigned from the job that you did have in the law enforcement office to now taking care of this fellow officer's family. Right. In the business world, that wouldn't happen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: You wouldn't be all of a sudden a manager or a CFO, financial officer of a company. And because someone in the company has been hurt, they don't stop being a financial officer to go take care of the family of the person
1: who's been hurt. Sure.
0: And it wasn't on the job either. Right. It's not like Well,
1: not that we could prove. Yeah. It, yeah. Know, the, the surgeons, the doctors and the nurses, they wanted to try to show, but yeah, we, we couldn't prove that it was on the job.
0: That in itself, just, just having the, your, your supervisor just having the for, foresight to really go, Hey, we need to take care of our own people. And, you know, he did that. He invested as well. So you can tell that as a whole, your whole unit really invests in other people and in themselves. So that's a beautiful thing as well.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a family dynamic in the law enforcement firefighter paramedic world. It's take care of your own. That's exactly what that's exactly what we did here.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. So have you ever been in that situation where you have been hurt or had an illness and somebody needed to take care of, of what you or your family?
1: Knock on wood. No. Um, but you know, what I did is I, I knew Josh well enough and we talked enough as friends that we were both invested in our families. And I knew that if the roles were reversed If I was laying in that hospital bed, I knew exactly what Josh would do for me. Sorry. That's why I did exactly what I felt like he would do for me, for my family. It was a tough time. I'm sitting there with Melissa and watching Josh and not knowing if he was going to wake up. We were literally planning a funeral because we were told that he probably wasn't going to survive it. Wow. But... Let me tell you something, our chaplain at the time, Dave Moore, would come down there every day with us, and we would stand around Josh's bed, and nurses and doctors and police officers would run in when they saw Dave Moore walk in the room, because they knew we were going to circle Josh's bed and all gather hands and pray over him. And let me tell you, (laughs) I watched a true miracle happen. I really did. Yeah, it was pretty awesome.
0: <clears throat> okay, Ronnie, with the tears, really? <laughs> it's true, man. It's a story
1: that needs to be told wow, because it's, it's a beautiful, so beautiful one. It really is, and I'm telling you, there were people in that room that I knew didn't necessarily know if they believed or not. But after Josh waking up and walking out of that hospital four months later, there be there there were some believers. <laughs> I, I just it was a miracle. It was truly a miracle. So,
0: well, how does yeah. it? F- how does it feel to know that you are now <clears throat> surrounded by people who would do the same thing for you to take care of you? It
1: gives me comfort. You know, I'm a huge family guy. Family first. God, family and then the job, the community. How I put things into into a number if you will. It gives me comfort. I think it gives a lot of men and women in this profession comfort because we are family driven and not just at home, but in our in our profession, it's all about family. I mean, you literally go out and risk your life knowing that if you're going on this hot call, that the man or the woman to the right or left of you, they'll still step in front of you and take that bullet, right? So to be able to have that trust in someone, there has to be a family environment at in, in the workplace. So to know that there are men and women out there that will step in and tend to my needs, God, or my family's needs, God forbid, that I'm not able to. It's it's almost a huge relief. It allows you to go out and just continue to push into that community and do your job every day without worry if if they're going to be taken care of. And that's what I tell my brothers and sisters that are in this first responder world. I'm like, look, that's what we're here for. Know that if something, God forbid, happens to you, answering the call is going to step in and we're going to tend to your family's needs. I promise you that. And we've lost some recipients. We have but we still keep in touch with their families and we still tend to their needs. And Mm -hmm. I promise them that knowing that that conversation that I'm having with them may be the last one that anyone's ever going to have. I've had that conversation with them almost like what we're having right now in a car, sitting in a parking lot. But I've told them that because I want them to know that they know they're going to die. I know they're going to die, but I want them to know that answering the call is going to be here to take care of their family. As long as I'm the president of this foundation, Mm. We will, we will always continue to step in and take care of their family. So I think it's almost a relief, right? Mm. It's almost a relief to them that in their passing, they know that their family is going to be taken care of. So yeah. it, it just brings me, brings me relief, I guess.
0: Well, and you know, you mentioned answering the call. How did you come up with that name?
1: I didn't. I I called my board members. So I'm a cop, right? And I know nothing about the first responder world back in 2015. Right. So my best friend, a lifelong friend of mine, who is a CPA in Blue Springs, Missouri, he's the one through his firm, they submitted all the paperwork for our nonprofit. Then he calls me up, he's like, hey, we're approved. Now you need a name and you need a board. I was like, what? <laughs> Like, oh, crap, you know? So I called, I put together a board of directors. I literally dropped to my knees and prayed and five names came to mind like that. Mm-hmm. And I uh, called each and every single one of them and neither one of them, not a one of them hesitated. And uh, then I said, okay, we got to put our minds together and come up with this name. And my friend, Jeremy Brownlee, who used to work here and is now a children's pastor at Abundant Life, mm. he said, how about answering the call? And I'm like, that's it. Mm. That's it. I'm not that clever nor, nor that creative. you got to surround yourself with people that are better than you, right? And I, oh man, I do that every day. I, I'm surrounded by my wife who's better than me every day. That keeps me um, going and humble. But yeah, I surround myself with the board members are, are what keep me going and the backbone to this. But yeah, Jay Brownlee, he, he came up with that. And I just thought it was so fitting. It was so fitting because this is truly what our first responders do every day, day in and day out. There's no time off. There's no close sign, right? They answer the call, regardless of who you are or what they're walking into. I call it the storm that they go to every single day. Um, They walk into that storm every day, knowing that uh, that could be your last one. And it's happened, right? We all, we know that too well around this community. It's happened. They do it. So answering the call was just, it was perfect.
0: Mm, It is perfect. And I'm <clears throat> just listening to your story and this to have a more details at the second time. I'm so glad that you answered the call mm-hmm. because you have really just been such a an impact in this community, but that it's, you've created a ripple effect as well. Cause then those people, it Im- improves their lives. So then, and they go out and improve other lives. So thank you for doing what you've yeah, done.
1: Of course, of course been a blessing i truly mean that it has been a blessing it's it's difficult at times i think anybody that starts a nonprofit, they see a need in our community and then sometimes it's personal it's, i'd say probably most of the time it's personal to them child child cancer elderly assistance whatever it may be first responder they see a need and there's just that's those special people that get touched and then they just turn around to give back and i'm so honored to be surrounded by a majority of those folks <laughs>
0: So speaking of that, be starting a nonprofit, what would you advise someone who's thinking to themselves, well, I want to start a nonprofit. I have a good idea. I have a. I know a need that needs to be filled. What advice would you
1: give them? I would say, honestly surround yourself with people that are like minded. That's what I did. I surrounded myself with uh, folks that I knew had giving hearts and would give, them them, give of themselves. We all know far too well that there are folks that that get into the nonprofit world with the wrong intentions. If you listen to your heart, which I do on a daily basis, at least I try, you'll surround yourself with the right people. And with that 3 or 8 person small community, you can do great things, but I think just surrounding yourself with the best that the community has and that they're like-minded in that they'll invest their time. And then I think the thing that I love about it is the people that they bring right? So I I bring my family, I bring my friends, and they get passionate about it. And then your world just, it evolves. Yeah. Um, I've surrounded myself as a huge blessing and mentor with the Jeron Cherry Foundation. Chris Warboys and John Cherry have been mentors of mine. From an early, early stage of starting this nonprofit, Jeron invited me into his office, and we had a lengthy conversation. And since then, as, as kind of Spawn into a friendship now, I almost say we lean on each other I, I lean on him far more often than he leans on me, but him and Chris have been mentors of mine, and through this nonprofit world they've done this for almost thirty years now, and no one knows about it because they really don't talk about it that's not what they do. He uses his his platform his his name to in the betterment of others, not to benefit himself yes. and so I would say first and foremost would be to surround yourself with people that are better than you, that are like-minded and that are passionate. Mm.
0: I love that. I love that. And you're doing such amazing things. So have you ever thought like, what would you want as your legacy? What would you want to be remembered for?
1: Family. Mm. Just family. My family means more to me than honestly I could ever uh, express, but I think once you have that sense of family, it can overflow into the community, and it has for me for sure. That's why I always say, if you're a recipient of our nonprofit, you are now in our family. That might not be a good thing to some people uh, because that means there's you you are you are in need and it's dire, and I understand that. But I can promise you, if you're a recipient of ours and our answering the call family. You and your family will always be taken care of. And that, I just, I don't think there's anything else that you can really say about that. These men and women are severely ill or severely injured to the point that they know that they're probably not going to survive. But we, we, you know, we spoke of this earlier. There's a sense of, I don't know, is it like, is it freedom in their heart that they know mm. that someone's going to be there to take care of them, take care of their loved ones in their absence? <sighs> That's family to me. Beautiful. That's family.
0: And, and you're yeah. doing it before you, you're doing it while you're living. That's the beautiful part. Right. You're doing it already. Yeah. We're getting ready to wrap up. So just a couple more questions. I know that we talked about your website, but do you have other, you know, are you on Facebook, LinkedIn, all of the things for your
1: LinkedIn? Your I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Okay. I've been chastised and yelled at by enough people in this community that I guess I need a LinkedIn. Yeah, so we have a Facebook page. Obviously, I have an Instagram. They're all just answering the call, ATC. I think our ATC911 is our Instagram handle, if that's what they call it nowadays. I'm learning these things as I go. So yeah, ATC911.org. You can make donations through there, through our P.O. box. I have a P.O. box. A lot of people just want to mail checks and or money, cash, believe it. Or not. So that's PO box six seven six three Lee Summit, Missouri, six four zero six four. I get a lot of phenomenal donations through that PO box and a hundred percent of that donation goes to us. So a lot of the Venmos and the other platforms that you can make donations on that are obviously a lot more easier, but they do take a percentage. So mm-hmm. Literally mailing a check or go walking into the police credit unions, public safety credit union. I think there's six different branches around Kansas City. You can walk in and just make a, a straight donation and answer in the call. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And if you're not in the Kansas City area and someone is listening to this and they're curious if their own Metro law enforcement agency has something like this, where would you suggest that they look?
1: I would have them reach out to like their FOP Local FOP, we have a FOP 50 here in Kansas is- City.
0: Uh, what so that's F- the fraternal.
1: F- I'm okay. sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Fraternal Order of Police. So it's almost, it's it's our union. We pay dues Got into it. it. They do a lot of great work in the community as well. Kansas City has their own FOP. Independence has their FOP. And then Eastern Jackson County has FOP 50. And they are in the community as well. They're in the first responder community and they would probably have, or the p- local police department, but they would probably have The information to a a local nonprofit. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't think a whole lot of people are doing what we do. There's a lot of amazing nonprofit out there for first responders, but a lot of them that I'm aware of are line of duty deaths. No one's doing anything like we're doing. And that's why we had to start this because a lot of our first responders were becoming terminally ill or have a severe injury that they're off work for months at a time weeks, if not months in a time. And their, their paychecks are drastically different. If they're on long-term disability, that's 40% cut um, in their paycheck that they're used to getting. And so that's why we step in and make up that void. So I don't know if really anyone's doing what we're doing right now. I'm hoping that more people jump on board and do this in their own communities. I would reach out to the local police departments, fire lodges, fire departments, and ask if there's a local nonprofit that they support.
0: So if someone is listening in, let's just say the San Diego area, and they want to maybe create something like this because they found out they don't have anything that's what you're doing, can they connect with you to um, get some support advice?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, Independence Police Department did the same thing. They reached out to me. They have their own now. It's a year old, I believe, or maybe just a little less. They have their own internal, it's ran by civilians and they, I believe they do have some law enforcement that are on their board, but they have their own internal, almost like answering the call, if you will, nonprofit. And they step in and, and start to financially assist their own officers in their financial time of need. So yeah, absolutely. They can reach out to me they can email me I'm answering the call. 911 at gmail.com is our email and I can respond. I'll call them. I'll give them any type of advice I can. I think if you have that drive and that passion already, all you really need to do is find a good CPA or a good tax firm that can submit the paperwork because it's pretty lengthy. It's like 24 page document to the IRS and then just surround yourself with a good board of uh, directors and start fundraising. That's what we do.
0: Mm, I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a resource.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I love about it is I'll have, Departments just call me as a resource. It may not be for financial aid, but we've made so many friends and so many partners in this community that, gosh, it's 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 limitless. Really, what we can do now, and it's literally a phone call. I've had so many businesses reach out just wanting to help and using us as kind of their guide. Um, if we vet them, then they'll step in and help them. It's it's pretty awesome. Mm. Kansas City community is the best community in the world. I'm not. I'm not just saying that. They are the most giving. People, and we're not a we're not a what a New York fourteen million people. They're the most giving. They got the biggest hearts. It's that Midwestern that I love.
0: Well, and that's why this is your part of the Kansas City series on my podcast. So thank you for being a awesome. part of it. Thank you for I being here. It.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was this has been fun. That's first podcast ever. So
0: yay! Well, you did yeah. amazing. You did amazing. <laughs> so yeah, you easy. Well. That's what I've been told. <laughs> um, so I have to leave with this question of what phrase scripture or mantra are you um, is motivating you right now?
1: I love the, the phrase or scripture of send me and I don't I can't quote it exactly. But when you're walking into that fire and God asks, who shall I send? And you raise your hand, and you say, send me. Mm. <laughs> I don't think there's anything more powerful. Our 13 Marines that passed, I think they live by that motto. Yeah. Uh, Well, just a few weeks ago, they say, send me. They knew they were going into a fire, right? Yeah. That's why I say they're walking into a storm. Our military, our first responders are walking into a storm every day and they raise their hand and they, they say, Mm -hmm. send me God. And I don't, I just don't think there's anything that you can, you can give more of yourself. It's the selfless act of service that I love and it's in all our hearts. It really is.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so
1: much for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me, Shay. It's been a pleasure.
0: And thank you for listening to the power of investing in people. If you enjoyed this podcast, because I know you did, I mean, you probably had to garb Kleenex and dot your eyes because there was foreign substance coming out of them, you know, all the things. <laughs> and uh, we invite you to go over to Apple podcasts and give us a five-star review until next time. Let's get fired up. Did you know that when you share the knowledge that you gained from an experience, it becomes wisdom? There is power in sharing your voice of wisdom inside a book to leave a legacy for generations to learn from your experience. And then add collaborating with other leaders, your legacy makes an even bigger impact. Like co-author Joe Bogdan, who shares in his chapter how being better has no finish line. He said his experience in the hashtag Firestarters Book Project has been nothing short of amazing. From him being a first-time author, he loved our supportive approach, and we earned his trust immediately. If you're curious about joining the next collection of Firestarters co-authors, then join the movement today at FirestartersBookProject.com.